Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. All of the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters Championship and the start of Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Whether you're betting on the final day of the Masters Tournament or the start of Major League Baseball or anything else, head over to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 50%. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on popular sports and games. BetOnline, where the game starts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfect Bill, your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Network. I am Sam Marku, and he is not the two-time Hall of Famer. That's right, Chris Cullen on assignment yet again. And quite frankly, so am I. It is spring break here in the town of Perfectville, but that doesn't mean that the podcast doesn't get out. No, uh, we're taking a look at some of the best of the worst from the podcast. We've been doing this for over six years, ladies and gentlemen, and in that time, We've had a lot of good times, we've had a lot of funny takes, and we've had a few mistakes here and there. Uh, Maybe some bad ideas, bad thoughts, stupid things that both Christopher Cullen and myself, Sam Marcu, have said over the years. So we're going to take a journey back, back in time, and go through some of the first episodes of Welcome to Perfectville and some of the bad takes and accidental mistakes that both Chris Cullen and myself have had. Uh, let's start from the very beginning, shall we? Citizens of Perfectville. This is before we even had the iconic open. This was Sam Marku, Chris Cullen, just seeing if we could actually make a podcast work. The very first episode of the Adam Gase case. That's how long ago uh, we started. We started when Adam Gase started, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, in this clip, you'll actually hear us talking a little bit about why Adam Gase would be the right answer for the Miami Dolphins as the new head coach. We had some doozies early on. We were very optimistic about a very bad coach. Uh, But yeah, we got a couple of gems from this one. So check out this first clip. Uh, Sam Marcu, Chris Cullen, talking about why Adam Gase would be the right choice for the Miami Dolphins. So that kind of leads me into my next question to you is, what do you know about Adam Gase as as a systems type of uh, offensive guru here is he what type of system is he going to run in terms of what type of running game are we going to see what type of uh passing game can we you know uh, think that we're going to see here in miami under the adam gase regime what what are we looking forward to well two things stood out to me in the press conference one uh he was very adamant um and yes adam meant that is pun intended terrible uh, terrible (laughs) horrible i'm just gonna fire myself right now um (laughs) He was adamant that he is uh, calling the plays, which is pretty exciting for me, I think. Um, just having him down there, uh, being offensive coordinator, he loves it. He obviously has a passion for it. He said that in a press conference, and um, he said he needs to have 10, 10 hills back. 
and having him there with the play sheet uh, on the field, Tannehill coming off the field every single offensive drive and letting him know what he's seeing out there, he can uh, coattail that offensive system into play calling that day, that moment. Um, he's not sitting up in the press box looking at things, hearing other coaches in his ear. Him and Tannehill are one-on-one. He's hearing the receivers. He's hearing the running backs. He's seeing the uh, defenses for his own eyes right there on the field, and I really like that. And the number two thing that uh, stepped out to me in a press conference was someone asked him that question. They said, what kind of offense do you run? Do you run a power eye, a west coast, um, a spread? And he said, you know what? I just run an offense. I um, really he, – he molds it around his player's strengths, which Beautiful. is one thing uh, that uh, you'd think is just like the easiest thing that you can do as a coach. But it seems that like we've had all these coaches that keep trying to force a square peg and a round hole with Chad Henney as, um, for example, he's in Michigan and we draft him in the second round, four-year starter. He is a gunslinger, real backyard-style quarterback like a Brett Favre type, and you bring him in and you try to like put handcuffs on him and tell him to check down, throw the ball away. And I literally think Dan Henning, Sperano, and, and the likes of uh, that coaching regime really ruined Chad Henney's career. Um, and then you take. Well, let like me Ryan let me time out. I mean, yeah, sure, I, sure. I don't want to get too far onto Chad Henney, but one thing about Chad Henney, I knew Chad Henney was going to be a bust from the very beginning, and I'll tell you why. Chad Henney was a second round draft pick, was he not? Yes, we got Jake Long in the first, as opposed to Matt Ryan, and try to claim that we doubled up by getting Long and Henney. Yeah, so we got Chad Henney. Chad Henney was not in the green room. Chad Henney was at his home. He knew he was a second round pick, which you know, pretty still pretty solid prospect in the second round. When they cut to Chad Henney after the Miami Dolphins drafted him, he had his arm around the biggest pig of a girlfriend I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I knew at that point, I'm like, this guy does not make good decisions. He's not going to be the quarterback <laughs> of the future for us. And that way, when that's why I was so excited when we got Ryan Tannehill because clearly, based on his wife, right. this guy makes really good goddamn decisions. So moving from there, I, I will say what you just said adapting your offensive scheme to the personnel right. around you seems so simple but yet we don't have coaches I don't know if the NFL really has coaches that really do that consistently and the last time I think we had a coach that really did that actually was Tony Sperano when we had the Wildcat offense that first mm-hmm. year because we really didn't have a quarterback that could throw down the field in Chad Pennington we had two stud running backs what did we do we designed plays to get two running backs on the field at the same time and create some you know ambiguity as to who's going to have the ball and you know what we won 11 and 5 went to the playoffs before that it was Don Shula who was a power running back coach and then all of a sudden got Dan Marino and said you know what we're going to throw the ball a bunch because that's what I got so that in my opinion is a key to success is that you know what type of personnel you have what type of talent you have and then you mold your playbook and your scheme around those strengths as opposed to as you said putting a square peg into a round hole. So that's exciting just to hear that. Yeah, imagine that, thinking that Adam Gase calling plays and paying attention almost strictly to the offense would be uh, something that we were looking forward to back in the day, ladies and gentlemen. Turns out that was almost the uh, smoking gun Because at the end of the Adam Gase era, that's what we saw notoriously him sitting on the sidelines while the defense was out there struggling to make plays. He did not seem to care at all as he continued to doodle on his little uh, clipboard there, trying to come up with a new way to not move the ball. And yeah, we also thought he was going to be creative and be dynamic and and create this offense around uh, the player's strengths. Uh, Turns out it was just nothing but bubble screens and wide receiver screens screens the entire time. So uh, maybe one of those bad takes I was talking about at the beginning of the show, Uh, but not to be outdone. This is a a doozy 
if you will, ladies and gentlemen, later in this episode, because not only did Adam Gase get hired as the head coach, but a guy named Chris Greer, you may have heard of him. He became the general manager of the Miami Dolphins right around the same time. Uh, And Chris Cullen and I discuss not only Chris Greer becoming the GM, but why it made sense for Chris Greer to report to Mike Tannenbaum of all places and how this meant Stephen Ross was finally going to be taking a step back and that the era of dysfunction for the Miami Dolphins was behind us. Uh, Take a listen. Chris Cullen, Sam Marku, episode one, the Adam Gase case, Chris Greer, new GM and our thoughts. Not only did we hire Adam Gase, but we also hired Chris Greer to be the new general manager after firing Dennis Hickey, which I forgot Dennis Hickey was even an employee of the Miami Dolphins yeah, until I they got they the news. Too. Yeah, they're like, you're still here. He's like the guy from Office Space. They're like, this guy's still here? We quit painting him a year and a half ago. He just keeps showing up to work every day. There was you know? a glitch. We took care of the glitch. Yeah, they put him in the basement and they took a stapler away from him. But, you know, Dennis Hickey's gone. Chris Greer, who has been with the Miami Dolphins for a very long time, as I believe the director of scouting, college scouting, if I'm not mistaken, is now the general manager. The sentiment I get from fans, Dolphins everywhere, and by the way, you are listening to Perfectville, a Dolphins podcast with Chris Cullen and Sam Marcoux. Uh, Hello again. So the the puppet comment comes from everyone thinks that Mike Tannenbaum, the czar of, of, of football operations here for the Miami Dolphins, hired Chris Greer to be a yes man. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of news to be made about Chris Greer becoming a general manager. It seemed like something that he was been slotted to do for a while. It seemed like he was kind of an intern the last couple of years, and they've been molding him into this position. Uh, But the general manager for the Miami Dolphins does answer to Mike Tannenbaum. Mike Tannenbaum essentially is the owner's representative in this case, and that Stephen Ross is somewhat taking a step back from the limelight, is doing what owners do, which is to, you know, spend money on stuff and shut the fuck up. Finally, Mike Tannenbaum is now kind of the head of this football operations. He's the one making the decisions and only reports to Stephen Ross. So there's a structure there, but is Chris Greer, is that newsworthy for us? Is that, is anything, uh, does that, does that float your boat? I guess is what I'm asking with Chris Greer coming on board as the general manager. Well, from the research I've done on them, Chris Greer really seems like somebody that we didn't want to, to lose. Um, 21 years of NFL experience. Uh, his father was a huge, huge um, scout, um, I believe. And he's a Parcells guy as well. Um, He's got the stamp of approval from Carolina's Dave Gettleman, who came from the Giants, New York's Jerry Reese, um, a lot of Hall of Fame guys that are uh, Bill Parcells. I'm reading a little story on him now. Um, He's been around personnel his whole life. Uh, Like you said, it's a yes man. He's been in our system for a while. I don't think we wanted to see him go. One thing I can kind of point to a little bit is the new hire that the Lions just got. uh, I believe his name is Quinn. Um, is their new general manager. He was the director and head of scouting for New England for like the past years. This is the guy that's been turning over rocks and finding those third, fourth, fifth round picks. The Rob Gronkowski's in the second round when it, we drafted Koa Misi over him, uh, which I'll never, uh, ever, ever forget. Makes me want to throw up right now. That makes me want to put the bag right yep. over my head as a Miami Dolphins fan. Oh, I mean, like even worse, that, that draft drives me crazy because uh, I wanted Earl. If you listen to any of my previous radio shows, I, you knew I'd made a uh, spoof song on uh, Hey There Delilah, and I wrote a song, Hey There Earl Thomas. I wanted Earl Thomas from Texas. Thought he was going to be a stud, free safety. Uh, I wanted him back there. I couldn't. I couldn't wait. He fell to twelve. So excited to hear Roger Goodell call us drafting Earl Thomas, and then instead he comes up and says we have traded the pick <laughs> to the San Diego Chargers, who drafted Ryan uh, Matthews. We trade down, get Jared fucking Audrick, 
And then with that extra second round pick, we get Koa Misi two picks before Arizona's Rob Gronkowski goes to the New England Patriots. Uh, if that doesn't make you want to put a screwdriver in your ear and do a front flip and land on it, then um, I don't know what else will. That that draft makes me furious. Uh Anyway, going off on that tangent a little bit, uh, Chris Greer is somebody I didn't want to lose, like Quinn, like New England loss. Um, that guy, he is now the general manager. Uh, Bilicek gets a lot of the credit for those turning over the stones, finding these these people, uh, these undrafted free agents, these guys they purge from AFC East rosters. Um, this is that guy that was finding those those guys. They had him doing college and pro scouting. He They uh, trusted his instincts so well. So they just lost him. If we would have lost Chris Greer... I don't know if it had been on the same page as that, but it it, it would have been close. So, really, Tannenbaum, this is his show. Uh, nothing says Ross stepped back more so, I believe, than uh, them firing Philbin three yep. games into the season. That That's Tannenbaum saying, look, Ross, we th- he has to go now. And instead of Ross, you know, letting a whole year play out or something, Tannenbaum mentioned that in the Gase press conference that, uh, yeah, it was unfortunate they fired Philbin, but they had a head start analytically and research-wise and do their homework on the head coach literally since week three. Um, and so that, that has Tan- Tannenbaum's signature all over it. I think keeping Greer is not a bad thing. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be a GM. I like that he said the days of dysfunction are over in his press conference. And to be honest, instead of we didn't lose him. So I, I don't know if it's a win. It's like a big deal. He's, he's our GM because Tannenbaum's running the show anyway. But we didn't lose him. We get to keep a smart guy with tons of NFL experience, so that makes me happy. Off to a resounding start. Episode one, we had a couple of bad takes and some accidental mistakes there, uh, which is why we're reviewing them here. Just having some fun here in the town of Perfectville during spring break. Let's jump ahead to episode four, shall we? And the reason why we're jumping ahead to episode four is that back in the day, Chris Cohen and myself would actually sit down, carve out time, and record multiple episodes in one sitting, and then just put them out week after week. Uh, episode four, I believe, was the actual next time Chris and I sat down after the first three podcasts were recorded back to back to back and uh, started jumping into what we consider to be the, uh, the free agent frenzy of the millennia back then. And uh, in this case, we thought Lamar Miller, and by we, I mean me, thought Lamar Miller... Uh, was the absolute top priority for the Miami Dolphins to bring back into the fold. Uh, in fact, uh, in this clip, you'll hear me, Sam Marcou, talk about what needs to happen if Lamar Miller is to be resigned, including possibly saying goodbye from Perfectville to a Miami Dolphins legend. This does not look good. It did not age well. And thankfully, the Miami Dolphins were not listening to this podcast at the time. Check it out. Lamar Miller, apparently a free agent we just needed to resign, according to Sam Marcou. Episode four. Yeah. Now, the next one, uh, I, I've turned the corner on this next free agent. Uh, I think at the beginning of the year, I would have said, let's let's go ahead and, and let this guy walk. I am now firmly in the camp of Lamar Miller. Our unrestricted free agent, 24 years old, another local guy. He only mm. he only made 1.6 million dollars la- only only made 1.6 million dollars last year. To, to be honest, he only worked uh, at the rate of 1.6 million dollars because we didn't really use the guy. He's very underutilized, very good runner. He's proven it. Uh, even though his size has always been a knock against him, he's remained healthy and he has been the man in Miami. And I think most of us would agree that we would have been better off if we have used him more often than we did. I think you can take some of the money that you. 
were going to pay Olivier Vernon, that you were going to pay some of these other guys like Matt Moore and hopefully sign Lamar Miller. I'll be furious if this turns out any other way than the Miami Dolphins keeping Lamar Miller. Uh, Lamar Miller is from Miami. He played high school here. He played college here. He was drafted here woefully late, woefully late. If you're a Miami Hurricanes fan, you watch him play with some bad teams, with some bad quarterbacks, and he's still being the only weapon on that offense was breaking 60-yard runs, 70-yard runs, 150-yard games, and just showed the athleticism, the size, the speed, the quickness to hit the hole and do things that we were begging for as Dolphins fans. And when we drafted him, Jeff Ireland, this is one of his very few, very great picks later in a draft. There is no way at 25 years old, and I'll use the word again, woefully underused as a Miami Dolphin, where he hasn't been ran into the ground like a Ricky Williams when Wanstead had his hands on him. This guy has another five to seven years of top-end production, and he's just been underused by our coaching staff. If Adam Gase, we talked about this in our previous shows, is really foaming at the mouth for this backfield with Lamar Miller and uh, Jay Ajayi, there's no way we let this guy walk. And if we do, I mean, the reason I'm spending so much time on this right now is because this is the probably the top free agent. This is the top free agent of our, our of our class this year. You do anything, anything in your power to pay this man and keep him as a Miami Dolphin. I, I 100% agree with you. You do what you can to pay this man. If that means making some hard decisions on some other long-standing yep. veterans, cough, cough, Cameron Wake, in order to sign Lamar Miller, then you have to do it. And again, I don't want to deal with the hypotheticals, so shut up. Everybody wants to yell at me about Cam Wake right now. But Lamar Miller is more important to us than just about anybody else on the offensive side and really on the football team as a whole. I absolutely say keep Lamar Miller. <laughs> Oh, there you have it. Now, Lamar Miller uh, apparently was uh, the next Barry Sanders, according to myself, and a little bit with Chris Cullen. And uh, I said Cam Wake should even be released in order to make room for Lamar Miller again. Thankfully, the Miami Dolphins had more common sense, even in their dysfunctional state, uh, than to listen to me, because that would have been horrible advice. Moving ahead here to episode five, after the tragic take I had on Lamar Miller. In episode four, episode five, focused on the offensive line back in 2016, but uh, that's not really what we focused on, at least not for this particular highlight. This actually comes from Chris Cullen by way of his mother, ladies and gentlemen. We talk about Chris's father quite a bit on the air, but very rarely do we mention uh, the matriarch of the Cullen household, uh, but this is a great story where Chris's mother uh, books a Broadway show for her boss and her boss's wife and the family, uh, although it just did not work out the way she had intended. Check this one out from episode five. Chris Colon and his mother. Embarrassing stories. Gotta love it. I heard the funniest story today, and it's unrelated to the Dolphins, so if we don't keep it, it's fine. But it's something that I feel should be recorded in history on the Internet. My mom worked for this doctor. He paid for the entire office, go to New York City. My mom's never been, never been in New York. She's from Pennsylvania, never been more north than that. She gets to New York City, and uh, his 67, pushing 70-year-old wife says, hey, 
somebody recommends some shows we can go see on Broadway. So they recommend Wicked, Phantom of the Opera, blah, blah, blah. My mom says, I heard Book of Mormon is hilarious. Let's go see this. Her boss's wife paid for everything. The tickets were $130 a piece. Uh, those, and, those tickets are no joke. Absolutely expensive. <laughs> and her son, hold on, it gets even better. Her son... The doctor's wife, the doctor and his wife, their son is uh, homosexual. <laughs> so they get the Book of Mormon, and it's the most vile. And keep in mind, this entire Broadway show is written and created by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. So my mom's sitting there and just like melting in her chair and <laughs> thinking it's going to get better, and it gets worse and worse. Like an hour and a half into it, they're all literally coming on stage with huge dicks. Like dildos sticking out, they're like four feet long and black and veiny and huge, and they're like fake banging people in the ass. And then like Satan's randomly on stage and does an X-ray of this guy's butthole and like literally shoves the Book of Mormon into his ass. And my mom is sitting there <laughs> mortified because she suggested the show to everyone, <laughs> and she's looking over at the seventy-year-old woman, seventy. Whose son is a homosexual. <laughs> and she said she's sitting on the edge of her seat with her face in her hand. And she's just watching all of this. And my mom's like, that's my boss's wife. And I, she's paid for the ticket. She paid $150 uh. for these tickets. <laughs> and my mom suggested this show. So afterwards, the doctor's wife kind of made that half-assed joke. Like, oh, Becky doesn't get to make the choice for the plays anymore. <laughs> like, well, and it's one of those things she came over and she tells us a story and I'm like, mom, I Googled book of Mormon. And like <laughs> within two seconds, I saw it's the most offensive, dirtiest, grossest, like play ever on Broadway. And the funny, the best part, I think the best part of the whole story is that I left out is that my mom's coworker, um, is dying, right? Like she's laughing the entire time. Cause she knows a, Becky, my mom, recommended this show, and B, she's going to get every raise imaginable from here on out as long as my mom's employed by this place because she recommended this to the boss's wife. Oh, my God. It's so great. Great story. Your mom took your boss and the boss's wife to a real-life version of Richie Incognito's texts. <laughs> Uh, to, to Jonathan Martin. Stick. Yeah, fuck you, uh, weirdo. <laughs> and now we have tied it back into the Miami Dolphins and we can keep the entire story in the podcast. So. Oh, another personal favorite, episode eight, talking uh, all things Miami Dolphins. We get into the O line talk and. Uh, Funny enough, if you listen to an episode here recently, you heard us talking about the ugly, redheaded, freckled, disgusting offensive line people that we just absolutely refuse uh, for the Miami Dolphins to uh, to to sign and bring to this team. We talked about the ugliest offensive linemen of all time, the McQuiston twins. Um, and I mentioned a name called J.R. Sweezy. And why that's interesting is because J.R. Sweezy is a redheaded, freckled, disgusting person who plays offensive line. But back in episode eight, 2016, Chris Cullen and Sam Marcoux were actually campaigning for somebody like J.R. Sweezy to be on the Miami Dolphins O-line. So uh, apparently we uh, we flip-flopped, we waffled, we pancaked 
on our stance here about the ugly guys coming to the Miami Dolphins. We were desperate for anything back in the day. Um, and then we also talk about a guy named Chris Forrester, who was starting his second gig with the Miami Dolphins under Adam Gase. We go through uh, what happened in his first gig. Now, you probably remember how Chris Forrester's gig as offensive line coach ended the second time, but not a lot of people remember that he was once the offensive line coach for the Miami Dolphins way back when, and it did not end so well for him that time either. Plus, I believe there is a story in here about a friend of mine in Arizona taking a video he shouldn't have taken. So just lots of fun stuff here. Check it out. So what else would you like to see the Miami Dolphins do here? I mean, free agency, or at least the new season, has not officially started yet. So a lot of these deals are just agreed to in principle. Uh, what else would you like to see the Miami Dolphins do in free agency? What would you like to see them accomplish? Do you want to see them, see them stay on defense? Or, or is there somebody out there specifically that you want us to target? Or uh, what would Chris like to see? I, I want us to really focus on the depth. Um, not these high-priced, big splash, big-name guys. Bring in guys that are going to come in and... Uh, play with a chip on their shoulder. Somebody like a Richie Incognito who did just sign, re-sign with the Bills. Three-year deal with the Buffalo but, Bills, yes. Yeah, and he came in um, with a low contract, had to earn his way, and he did it. Um, go get me a J.R. Sweezy. Um, go get me an Alex Boone, the guard from uh, 49ers and the Seahawks, who uh, Boone played under our new offensive line coach for the 49ers last year. There's rumors of us going after both. Speaking of which, let um, me, sorry to cut you off. Our new offensive line sure. coach is Chris Forster, correct? Yes. Wasn't he here previously, and wasn't he the guy that got nailed for watching porn on the company computer? Wasn't that him? Um, I don't know. I know he was here previously, and I think we talked about this before, maybe even off air. And um, I, I tried to Google him. I couldn't find anything on that. So I don't know if it's like my former boss at a, a different institution that was caught sexually blowing a mortgage rep, and she got it swiped off the internet somehow. But um, yeah, I don't know how you can delete that. Yeah, I think he, I think he, uh, I think he was the one that got caught like downloading porn on the work computer <laughs> instead of instead of the playbook, and uh, eventually just kind of had to move on. So I guess welcome back, Chris he Forrester, was, and hopefully we got better firewalls. He was our offensive coordinator in 2004, and it was a very yeah. short stay, and he became the offensive line coach for the Ravens, then 49ers, then Redskins, then 49ers again, and now he's back to us as an offensive line coach. Yeah, it was a short stay, probably about five minutes in. But yeah, he, uh, he <laughs> spent most of his time looking at porn. That's absolutely right. So uh, 2004, he's back. I, I thought that and was And that was him, in so. 2004, where it was a lot more difficult to find porn. I mean, you're, you're literally uh, seeding it on LimeWire or something. You know, it's funny about that, too. I mean, the good news is at least he knows about plugging holes, so maybe our offensive line people can... Uh, <laughs> can start doing that. But uh, the, the funny thing, I was talking about this recently, I uh, kind of a short story, but I was in uh, Arizona and um, some friends of mine actually went to a strip club. I, I chose not to go, but uh, apparently one of them got super drunk, videotaped himself getting a lap dance by a stripper, and then uh, reportedly, allegedly sent it to his wife, wow. which might be uh, the the league, or at least the, the 2016 front runner, uh, leader in the clubhouse for stupidest person on in 2016. I mean, first of all, I don't understand why you would do that. He doesn't understand why he did that. Uh, second of all, why are you videotaping a lap dance at a strip club? First of all, you're not allowed to do that. You're going to get your ass beat by, by somebody there. Second of all, who is that for? Who are you videotaping that for? Because if you're videotaping it to show your friends that weren't there, 
uh, then guess what? They probably don't want to see it because they weren't there. If you're videotaping it for yourself, guess what? You have the internet, which is basically the Costco of porn. I mean, they have it in bulk. I don't understand why you need to videotape a girl grinding on your crotch when you can just go on the internet and actually do it yourself. Uh, it, it, it blew my mind. So, um, you know, I guess kind of tying that back into Chris Forrester. It didn't make any sense to me. little side note. <laughs> uh, yeah, and if, if he um, is going to come in and bring in somebody like Alex Boone, um, I really hope, you know, getting back to it, um, that he c- can be the difference and plug these holes, uh, so to speak, and really get our <laughs> offensive line turned around because it's been too long, too many coaches, too many people knowing it's something we need to fix, and Dallas Thomas and uh, Billy Turner just aren't cutting it. <laughs> Episode 9, ladies and gentlemen, episode 9, one of my personal favorites, Farewell to Miko Grimes, I believe was the title of it, and uh, we're going to spend some time, we're going to camp on this episode because there's quite a bit of uh, just fun stuff going on here, all centered around Miko Grimes, plus a nugget about Derek Zipak Shelby. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to this clip of Derek Shelby, and we, uh, we go down memory lane, within memory lane here. Uh, to remind everybody, just if you haven't lived a life, if you don't know what Z-Pack is, and Derek Shelby, by way of Sam Marcoux, explains it in this clip, followed by just a long, long, winding road of Twitter stupidity from Miss Miko Grimes, the wife of Brent Grimes, as they left Miami and went to Tampa Bay. Uh, <laughs> just Boy, I do not miss Miko Grimes. The first person to ever ban me on Twitter. And uh, I consider that a badge of honor. Check it out. Episode nine. Farewell to Miko Grimes. He would have been the Dolphins top rusher um, last year on a quote unquote off year. Yeah. Uh, and that's over Lamar Miller. So uh, he's only like 54 yards away from like 10,000 career yards. Older guy. He's 30. He's 30. So yeah, well, we can bring him in. He's fast. Older guy. 30. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, in running back terms, that's sure. fucking ancient. Um, but, I mean, they talk about it. When you hit out of your 20s, like, you're completely done. But there's still Arian Foster out there. There's still hang myself. Um... <laughs> Sorry, any listeners that are uh, above 30. Yeah, there's like a 50-year-old guy just sitting in his truck right now crying. Way to go, Chris. I love the show. Wait, I hate this show. Wait, I'm above 30. Fuck these guys. And he's probably fake. He got, probably got too fatigued to lift the gun because he's over 30. <laughs> And now just has to listen to us ramble about his poor bastard failed suicide attempt. Sorry, 50-year-old man in the truck. This is Chris's fault, not yours. He drives through drive throughs He's like, can you shoot me? I can't do it myself. You said I could have it my way. Don't, don't make me a liar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this has gone off the rails. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on. So basically, C.J. Anderson went back to Denver. Uh, yep. Chris Johnson came in for a visit. No word on whether we're signing him or not. I'm okay with it. You know, again, it probably would be a one or two year prove it deal. 30 years old. I think at that point, if you sign Chris Johnson, he is the backup to Jay Ajayi. He becomes sure. kind of your change of pace back, if you will. And uh, Jay, Jay ends up getting the uh, majority of the carries as well as um, the majority of the time on the field, which, you know, fine, whatever. I'm okay with that. Fix the offensive line in terms of blocking, and I think we can put some people behind there. Uh, we have talked about Lamar Miller. Uh, we kind of knew last week that he was a goner. Was was kind of tough to see him go. He goes to Houston. He's pairing up with Brock Osweiler. That all of a sudden became very young and possibly a dangerous team in the AFC yeah. South. I mean, uh, what a team they got down there. Yeah. They've got some good talent, you know, good talented pieces. They actually won their division last year. And uh, I think they've technically become, um, 
better since then. So oh, yeah. I think they're definitely on the uptick. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars have obviously been trying to get better. And then, of course, you got Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. So you got a three-team race there. I don't even care to even acknowledge the other team that's in that division. The Tennessee Titans, I mean, they're trying. They actually signed Richard Matthews, another guy we knew was going to be gone. Speaking he's of people, good. He's going to do good there, I think. Yeah, I mean, they, they have Marcus Mariota. I think he, they've got a guy who can target a big wide receiver. I mean, if you look last year, Delaney Walker was his big target that Mar- Mariota just was throwing him the ball as often as he possibly could because he had sure hands and he's a big body. He just throw it in the general area. Richard Matthews fits that bill on the outside. I think he can do very well in Tennessee. I well, wish. and think about where Matthews played in college was at Nevada with a guy you might have heard of named Colin Kaepernick. And uh, Mariota fits that kind of mold of that quarterback that can make things, make guys miss, uh, extend plays. And Matthews has always had a knack for uh, getting open and helping out his quarterback for sure. Could make Andre Branch miss at the end of that game last year on Thursday night. That's for sure. That's <laughs> our man. Uh, kind of a surprising one here. I guess maybe not. I mean, there was a, always the opportunity for him to leave. But Derek Shelby, Z-Pack, uh, he left the Miami Dolphins. He is now an Atlanta Falcon. Uh, you have Mr. Z-Pack himself. For people that don't know that story, uh, the cops were calling Derek Shelby one night after he got into an altercation with a hooker. And his response to the cops when they were getting ready to arrest him was that he needed a damn Z-Pack. Now, anybody who doesn't know what a Z-Pack is, I would say that you've never lived a life but a Z-Pack is something you take after you've had unprotected sex with anybody who you think might have some sort of um, uh, venereal disease, shall we say. And a Z-Pack will clear that shit up immediately. Um, that's what a Z-Pack is. So now you guys see educational, not only on the players' comings and goings, but also when the players come and then they need to get things going out of their system. I've honestly never heard that before. Uh, I've, Z-Pack. Uh, I've lived life. Um, even though you said you haven't lived, I've lived life and done many of things. Um, I didn't know a Z pack was something you took. Is that like a morning after pill for fucking uh, hookers? To clarify, Z pack is basically it's kind of like a. Uh, and I know somebody's going to correct me because I'm going to I'm going to make I'm going to say this incorrectly, but it's basically a package of. Um, uh, antibiotics, if you will, that people can take not only for a potential STD, but basically any sort of viral infection or bacterial infection that you may get. But it's it's pretty much used um, for treating some sort of STD, over-the-counter so STD. It, so, so it's a guy morning after pill? More or less. I mean, in some way, yeah. But I just I always found it funny that he's getting arrested, and the only thing he says, he doesn't even care about his arrest record or that he's going to get fined or possibly suspended. He's like, look, i got to make sure I don't have any bumps on my dick, all right? Can somebody get me a Z-Pack, please? <laughs> look, you can arrest me all you want. You arrest me seven times. Give me a goddamn Z-Pack. So he's gone. Olivier Vernon, you know, I'm not going to spend too much time on him, but he went to the New York Giants on a monster contract. I think that was kind Crazy. of the major headline for the first week of free agency was just how much money he got. And then, you know, we had some we had some free agents that have not signed. Uh, Kelvin Shepard, who we blasted on this show, uh, he has not signed anywhere. I think all the other free uh, GMs were like, wow, we're not signing him based on what Sam and Chris have said. Perfect then, Bill really killed that guy. Yeah, I'll never sign him. Never. And the other one is Shelly Smith. The two people that we just, we speaking of bumpy dicks, we, we cut off their dicks. We, we took their <laughs> genitals and their manhood away from these two people. And they have not been able to sign a contract with any team so far in 2016. Uh, so it looks like we're not missing much is what you're saying. No, it looks like these people were starters at some point on our team and all of a sudden can't get a, can't get a job in the NFL after that. It shows you the talent level. That's the way it goes, though, right? Like we, we sign these guys in monster contracts and then we, we get rid of them or we trade them and they're cut the next year or they're like not performing or doing anything the next year. 
I just don't understand how that happens. It's unreal. Well, and look, we would be remiss if we did not mention probably the, the uh, maybe if not the first, I would say the second biggest name to leave the Miami Dolphins this offseason. Uh, former Pro Bowl cornerback, uh, Optimus Grimes, B. Grimey mm. himself, has signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a two-year contract with upwards of $16 million to go into his wife's pocket. I mean, his bank account. <laughs> And forever, uh, I'll, I'll forever miss you, Mika. We we will you. forever miss the Grimeses. You know, we're going to miss Brent and his abilities on the field. But I think Chris, you and I can agree. What we're really going to miss is Miko Grimes and her her quiet, positive, uh, strong female role model that stood behind Brent Grimes and never caused an issue with the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Never spoke at a turn. Was just. You know, what what you want your woman to be, uh, you know, if, if you want your woman to cost you nine million fucking dollars because she can't shut her stupid mouth. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read the statement that she put out after Brent Grimes signed with the Buccaneers. Now, keep in mind, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not won anything uh, since, what, 2002? I think that's the last time they won anything when John Gruden was there. Pretty much have been um, the laughing stock of the Florida football teams, and that's saying a lot. Look, the Miami Dolphins haven't been anything, but when people go, you're a Miami Dolphins fan, ha, 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 I go, you know what? I'm not a Buccaneers or Jacksonville Jaguars fan, and it shuts people up because, you yeah, know, that's They go, right. well, good call, good yeah, call. Good yeah, call. that's true. You're not the worst. So this guy signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so I want you to listen to what Miko Grimes has to say. Didn't the Buccaneers get MRSA in their locker room like two years ago? Like MRSA. The Buccaneers are so bad that their own players' bodies tried to kill themselves. That's right. how bad the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. So bad. You know, that, just keep that in mind, Perfectville audience. And by the way, you are listening to Perfectville, a Dolphins podcast. So this is from Miko through Omar Kelly. Because Miko, by the way, who banned me on Twitter, which uh, I think is a badge mm-hmm. of honor, says, The Bucks are a real organization being ran properly, all caps, unlike that dumpster fire in the AFC East we just left. They, which is not capitalized, wouldn't, with no apostrophe, dare ask me to delete my Twitter. I, which is, an, which is not capitalized, deleted my Twitter because I, not capitalized, didn't want the Twitter gangsters and thumb thugs, which is a great line, to have anyone to retweet at when they found out the Bucks and multiple other teams made them all look stupid. Who doesn't want a Pro Bowl corner that's doing shit no other corner in the league can do? Like, let his wife run rampant with him? I don't know what the fuck that means. Men lie. Women lie. Stats lie. No, they don't. The media lies. You know what's undefeated? Film. Also untrue. We are happy, and I don't feel like sharing it with anyone just yet. I'll be back very soon, and I'll be the same supportive, dedicated, truthful bitch I was before I left. (laughs) Signed, Miko Grimes. That right there is her parting shot to the Miami Dolphins and the fan base. Thank you very much, Miko. And it's things like that, Chris, that I'm really going to miss about Brent Grimes and his wife no longer being with the Miami Dolphins. That and the slipping. Uh, All the slipping. And we're not talking about her slipping the, you know, slipping of her tongue and talking out of tone. We're talking about Brent Grimes falling all over the place uh, on the football field. But we figured since this is going to be the last time that we are going to have Miko Grimes on this on this podcast or in the Miami Dolphins' life, Chris and I would look back at some of her greatest hits, some of her greatest tweets. We're just going to read a few of them to you and let you. Revel and the greatness Great that, that is, is Miko Grimes. Chris, why don't you go first? Look at J Mart getting bitched. 
Second time in the game, he got snuffed, and we're still in the first quarter. I smell pussy. That's a good one. I really do like that one. Of course, she's talking about Jonathan Martin, who was notoriously bullied by the Miami Dolphins, yet... <laughs> and their wives, obviously. And apparently, the ringleader was not uh, Doughboy left guard up in Buffalo Bills, but in fact... The wife of Brent Grimes, Miko Grimes, who's still fucking bullying this guy. All right, Chris, one of my personal favorites has to do with our quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. And apparently Miko Grimes is not a fan. In this tweet, she says, It's like Tannehill ejaculates and drops a drop of jizz in y'all mouth like a mother feeding her baby birds in her nest. And then a bunch of smileys of of people with jizz on their face. That's a very good tweet. I like that tweet. Very solid tweet. Yeah, she obviously was raised by a very um, eloquent, intelligent mother who taught her to be a lady. And um, she shows that every single time she hits send on her tweets. Um, She continues, if I could, um, and, and she says, and I quote, I should have known we were going to lose when I heard we didn't complete a single pass. In two-minute drills this week against the practice squad defense. Which is hilarious considering Dan Campbell at the time was our head coach uh, and came out. And he said, we didn't even run a two-minute in practice. So I don't know where she got that from. So good stuff. Good times from Miko Grimes. Continue. Yeah, yeah. another another good one that I really like is uh, her taking aim not only at the Miami Dolphins, but in this case a larger audience of the NFL in general. Mm. And this is where she says, keep fucking my husband over and I'm going to put a map out to the world and expose the league for what it truly is. Y'all better pray I don't get a real voice in these streets or I'm airing this whole league out. NFL, I know where the bodies are buried. Trust. I should also point out, Chris, that fucking is actually misspelled. So, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that well, was among just, other things. That was probably just to keep the characters down. I'm sure she knows how to spell fucking because oh, um, she's been fucking again. over Brent Grimes out of a contract for the last few years. Sure. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm sure she was raised in a household where spelling was a priority in her education, and um, she has taken that to Twitter. And it's obviously obvious that she purposely spelled that wrong. It's it's not because of a an intelligent thing or anything. It's not like she's, you know, dumb. I mean, come on. <laughs> who are we? She's a smart gal who's got her P's and Q's about her, and she knows how to spell fucking. We're just, you know, she's, she's tweeting. That's all about the tweeting. So I've got another one here. Um, <clears throat> the triple A's are Mondo, Andrew, and Adam. Fuck all three of y'all with Magic Johnson's dick. And that is her, of course, referring to our famous beat writers in the Miami area of Armando Salguero, Andrew uh, Abertson, and uh, Adam Beasley. Palm Beach Post and the Miami Herald guys getting attacked by Miko Grimes. And she she, she tweeted again. She, she wasn't done. The, the character limit was not enough to hold off Miko Grimes. In conclusion, dot, 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 the triple A's, she gave him a nickname, have an agenda. Destroy the defense and make everything look like Tannehill is not the problem. Hashtag got it. Yes. Which is hilarious. And I'm sorry to cut you off again. 
it's hilarious considering every time Brent Grimes got beat like a fucking pinata last year by the top receiver, he was made to cover every single game. Like, I don't know, Brandon Marshall, who had a fucking career two-game stretch against the Miami Dolphins and Brent Grimes in particular, she had nothing to say. But when the beat writers did their job and talked about how shitty our defense has been, she had a problem with it. How funny is that? Yes, and it's always good to wish that somebody gets fucked by a guy who's got AIDS. I mean, that's sure. always a very nice gesture. She's just looking for love for the AAAs, I suppose. Yes. Now, now, lest us think that maybe she's got an issue, maybe it's just the Miami Dolphins. Maybe the local media fans and the organization itself is to blame, and she really is a martyr along with her husband. I was thinking that might be the case, Chris, and then I found this tweet to the Atlanta uh, Falcons. And uh, she said, uh, Atlanta Falcons. And don't even think about getting an interview from him either. She's talking to the local newspaper, beat writers, of course. Don't even think about getting an interview from him either. I hope he spits in your face when you ask him a question. So uh, it seems to me that uh, just about everywhere Brent Grimes has gone, he is being mistreated, whether it's with the Falcons and their local media or with Miami and the local media here. The guy just can't catch a goddamn break, Chris. And thank God Mika was here to tell the world how badly her husband has been treated over the course of his career. I mean, geez, I had no idea this guy who's been getting millions upon millions of dollars to play a game has been treated so poorly. So yeah. thank God she's, she's, she's opening and shedding this light for us. She's like the Robin Hood of... Um... Uh, NFL football player where she robs from the rich billionaire owners and gives back to the poor, poor cornerbacks that obviously play at an amazing Pro Bowl level that don't deserve to be cut ever and get paid tens of millions of dollars because they uh, don't give 10-yard cushions and slip every time they're trying to uh, make a play on the ball. Um, it's never him. I'm glad she's there to point that out. And that's why this next tweet is rather... Uh, perfect. It's perfect for what she does. Um, and she is. She's a very, very knowledgeable, uh, dare I say, on the verge of a sportscaster and analyst. She really wants that. She had a radio show for a little bit there in the very, 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 very respected WQAM 560 who has Omar Kelly on their show. So they're obviously a great, great deal of uh, smart, intelligent business there. Um she, she said, and I quote, that's why I laugh. I know I'm dope at what I do. <laughs> I've been told by very credible PPL, which means people, I'm top five best analysts they ever had a conversation with. Miko Grimes. Top five analysts they've ever had a conversation with is Miko fucking grimes who we've just been quoting that's she's she's top five yeah she's with the peter kings and the bob costas of the world dick enberg get out of here you're kicked out of the top five miko grimes just took your spot absolutely and those are some of the highlights she's got plenty more and i'll leave with this favorite tweet of mine this is my favorite tweet about miko grimes uh this happened on september 27th of last year at uh, roughly 8.17 at night. Was that before or after she headbutted a police officer before a dolphin? And this tweet, I don't know if I can get it in under 140 characters, goes like this. 
case number F1502017, charge, battery against a police officer, corrections officer, slash firefighter, charge, resisting officer with violence to his person, charge, disorderly conduct, breach of the peace. There you go, Miko Grimes, a pillar of our community in South Beach. Just one so of the sad most, to see her go. So sad to see you and Brent Grimes go. We wish you nothing but the best in Tampa Bay. I don't know how you guys are ever going to lose a game now that Miko Grimes is on board. And the best part about it, ladies and gentlemen, is that Tampa Bay would never, ever ask her to delete her Twitter or Instagram. However, three seconds after her husband signed that contract, guess what was fucking deleted? her Twitter, and her Instagram. Why? Because I think Tampa Bay might be a little bit smarter than Miami and said, if your husband wants a contract, you need to shut your fucking mouth. So, Miko, here's to you never saying another thing as long as Brent Grimes is in the league. All right, up next is kind of an iconic rant from Chris Cullen. This is one of the legendary whoopses of all time for Chris Cullen uh even within this episode episode 14 this was the 2016 NFL draft this was the Laramie Tunzel draft ladies and gentlemen yes the Laramie Tunzel trade the gift that keeps giving here in 2022 we still haven't closed the book on that trade to the Houston Texans but at this time he fell to number 13 in the draft because of a certain video and Chris Cullen and his wife Charlotte Cullen recorded their natural reaction to the Miami Dolphins drafting Laramie Tunzel. Now, what's hilarious about this is just how angry Chris and Charlotte were. But in this, when we actually recorded this podcast, episode 14, Chris had already changed his mind and loved the Laramie Tunzel pick. But in real time, watching this in his man cave with his new bar, uh, with maybe a couple of different alcoholic beverages in his system, uh, the rant was epic. And to this day, uh, one of the funniest things that's ever happened in the town of Perfectville. Check it out. Chris Cullen, Charlotte Cullen, going ham on Laramie Tunzel. So I, I do. The reason why I asked you what I like to pick now, and this is why we wanted to wait, ladies and gentlemen, because football is a very emotional sport, even when you're just watching names scroll across the so screen. So is alcohol. Like the NFL draft. And Chris Cullen and his lovely wife, Charlotte, who happened to live in Charlotte, North Carolina, were watching this draft on Thursday night. First round in the new man cave with the new bar with some alcohol, I'm assuming, at that bar. And uh, you got to remember, ladies and gentlemen, we, we were expecting somebody like a Miles Jack, uh, possibly William Jackson the third, uh, maybe, or I'm sorry, Vernon Hargraves the third, I should say, William Jackson. Uh, one of these defensive players. That's kind of how we had hardened our brain. We thought they were going defense with that number one pick. And uh, they didn't. They went with Laramie Tunzel, obviously. And uh, I had asked Chris to film some reactions of himself, uh, <laughs> just naturally reacting to picks. And I think this is hilarious, Chris. And I got to play this for the audience. I got to play well, this if, for the perfect bill. Before you, before you push play, can I please give you a little rundown of where I am emotionally at this time? I want number one on my board, Miles Jack. He is who I want. Every single pick. I am biting my nails, chugging a beer. Jumping out of my seat. Well, this team needs defense. Here comes Miles Jack. He's off the board. And every pick that comes by, 1 through 12, is not Miles Jack. And the pick before us is the New Orleans Saints. I look at my wife. I say, they need defense. There's no way they're going to pass them up. And they pick some random defensive tackle or defensive end. And I am through the roof 
over the moon, excited that Miles Jack fell to us, not unlike when Brady Quinn fell to us and my my emotional at that time uh, when we picked Ted Ginn and I flipped out. So, yes, that's what you're about to hear. I wanted yeah. Miles Jack. I want everybody to hear this clip. It's about a minute and a half long. It's hilarious. And, and, and what really makes the clip, to be honest, is Charlotte. Um, so I'm going to play this right now. This is This is hilarious to me. And it uh, just kind of shows you the state of what football does to a person. Because by all <laughs> accounts, we have a really good pick in Laramie Tunzel. He, he can be, you know, injuries aside or, or stupidity aside, he's going to be on the left side for, you know, 10 years or so. He's a stalwart. He's going to be uh, the identity of our Miami Dolphins offensive line in a good way, hopefully. But uh, here are the emotions at the time. So I just want to play this clip. It's, like I said, it's about a minute and a half, and uh, we can all mock Chris together. Quick shout out to Chicago for turning their fountain the colors of the team that's on the clock as they just showed an aqua and orange fountain. Here comes Roger Goodell walking out to announce our pick. We want Miles Jack. We want Shaq Lawson and we want Jackson from Clemson. Here we go. Literally anyone but our pick. Yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte's very nervous. The Miami Laramie There's the pick, Laramie Tunzel. Oh my fucking god. The Miami Dolphins just selected the bong smoking, bane mask wearing top tackle. Very of Dan Lebesque right there. We have Brandon Albert, Juwan James, and we picked Laramie Tunzel. Absolutely. I'm almost sick to my stomach no, right now. But I mean, no, 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 no. Laramie Tunsil's a great tackle. We unless we're gonna unless we're gonna move Brandon Albert or Jawan James to guard, See, at least which I we need. You don't great. take somebody this high at 13 when you have so many no. glaring needs. You know what, I'd rather take in Robert Dimitri or whatever. You have called every single <laughs> pick except this one. On the dot, except this one. Unbelievable. Nick Saban laughs in his ear and goes, Haha, good luck in Miami. They're cursed because of me. We just drafted Lamry Tunsil, the biggest tailspin in the draft. The so wow. Why did we Sam, I'm going to give you the best ending you can to edit. I'm going to take a pause before I do it. <laughs> Welcome to Perfectville. Uh. <laughs> All right, episode 16, I believe that we're talking about OTAs, and uh, I've mentioned this a couple times. It was actually a highlight earlier in this highlight uh, podcast when talking about Lamar Miller, but in this episode, we talk about Cam Wake, and he's coming off of an Achilles tear, and uh, I have to just fall on the sword here, ladies and gentlemen. I was one of those people when Cam Wake tore his Achilles that said, he's done, he's over, he will never be productive again. Uh, Cam Wake heard that and took a personal uh, affront to the atrocities that came out of my mouth and basically stuck it up my ass for the rest of his career for the Miami Dolphins. And in this episode, it talks about his superhuman recovery from this Achilles tendon, which we thought he may, if we were lucky, be ready by training camp. Not only was he ready by OTAs, but he was participating in team drills. And good old Sam Marcu, again with a bad take, just had to take the egg, throw it on his own face, and then wipe it off because uh, Cam Wake made fools out of me like he has so many right and left tackles over the years. Episode 16, a quick discussion about the very quick Cam Wake. <laughs> there you go. Boom. Yeah, so, uh, you know, speaking of OTAs, we also talked a little bit about, I touched on Cameron Wake being a leader, and uh, I was of the opinion, and I may be wrong, I may have to uh, 
I may have to step on my own crank here a little bit and, and backtrack, and, and I'd be happy to. Um, I was one of the people that said Cameron Wake needs to go. After he popped that Achilles tendon, I immediately, even watching that game, just right then, Chris, made the decision that Cameron Wake was done. And I said that was the last time you'll ever see Cameron Wake on the field for the Miami Dolphins as an active player. I figured he'd come back and get his, his number retired at some point. Um, I was wrong. I was kind of upset to be wrong because I thought, man, we're paying this guy a lot of money. We just extended him. He's coming off of an Achilles tendon tear uh, and his biggest asset has and always will be his explosiveness off the line. He's not a guy that can fight through the traffic as much as he is a guy who can get around it before they even know what the hell happened. Um, All reports coming out of camp, Chris, are that he's not only well ahead of schedule, um, he's also participating in team drills as as early as this week. I mean, he wasn't really, basically, he wasn't supposed to be there. And I think it was going to be a mini miracle if he was ready by training camp. I think that question has already been answered. He's going to be there at training camp. Um, By all accounts, Adam Gase, everybody is saying that Cameron Wake looks like like a new man, like the old man, I should really say. I mean, the guy hasn't really missed a beat so far from uh, people that saw him last year to now. That's an incredible, incredible turnaround for something like an Achilles tear, which used to be a career ender. And now it's kind of like a mild inconvenience for, uh, for this man who didn't even like wince when it happened. He just kind of looked like, well, that sucks. So uh, I, I may be wrong. I think maybe Cameron Wake deserves to to be on this team after all. And, and uh, maybe he's got himself a, you know, a nice spot in the rotation where he can actually contribute for uh, the entire season, hopefully. Wouldn't it be quite the irony if he ends his career the same way he came in? Uh, when he came in with the Dolphins, he was a situational pass rusher. Remember, there would be times, I, I, I'm sure you were there too, where we would be in the game day chat rooms uh, during uh, for the fins.com talking during games, and we'd be like, put that young guy, Cam Wake, in. It's an obvious pass situation. He's so quick off the ball when we had – Jason Taylor and guys like that. And he was just coming into his own. And then a year or two later, 10 sacks, 12 sacks a season. And now he's getting to the point of his career, which he's unbelievable coming off this injury. It's just unreal. Um, I think it was Michael Thomas that said he's not human. He's not one of those normal human beings that actually has to rehab for a whole year. He's doing teamwork. And we were watching, I was reading the the sports buzz, the Miami Herald uh, with Barry Jackson. He's talking about, well, Cam Wake was working on the side. Might be a while until he's doing team drills. And literally his next story the next day was Cam Wake participating in team drills. It's like he's constantly ahead of everyone's schedule. He's just unbelievable. Like you said, he's not a human. The guy's like Wolverine. He's got superhuman healing powers. Healing factor. Yeah, yeah I just, I don't, get, I don't get it. Like I, you know, it's kind of like watching Steph Curry shoot three pointers from you know, like the other side of the court. You're just kind of like, uh, there's no way that should go in, but it goes in, and you go, well, how do you defend that? I mean, how how do you how do you defend saying Cameron Wake shouldn't be on the team anymore when all he does is keep uh, setting these goals for himself and then just completely freaking shattering them? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know what else to say other than I guess welcome uh, welcome back to the team, Cameron Wake. I'm firmly on your side, and you know what? And thank God because I got a throwback jersey of Cameron Wake last year, and I was able to wear oh, it twice. Uh, the first time I was able to wear it was week one when he really didn't do much of anything. And then the next time I wore it was when he tore his Achilles tendon. And I'm like, God, <laughs> Jesus, really? This is going to happen. I, Based like, on the trajectory, you're going to wear it next time. He's going to die. Yeah. Like I, I, maybe I should go Terrible get myself. game, Achilles tendon. Yeah. See ya. I'm going to go get myself like a, like a, like a branded Marshall, New York Jets jersey and see what happens. Right. I mean. <laughs> Now, there you have it. We're going through the first 20 episodes of Perfectville. The greatest mistakes, bad takes, everything else, and just some amazing stories over the years. 
this one comes from uh, episode 17, ladies and gentlemen, and this is Wes Welker coach. And if you remember at the time, Wes Welker was a guest coach for the Miami Dolphins back in 2016. I think he, uh, he knew Adam Gase and uh, was starting his coaching career. And both myself and Chris were kind of astonished that Wes Welker was allowed back in uh, South Florida, given how he left. And uh, we go on a rant about Wes Welker and uh, why he should not be a coach for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, pulling it full circle here on 2022, Wes Welker is not only, again, a coach with the Miami Dolphins, but the wide receiver coach for the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniel's offensive staff here. So uh, shows how much Chris Cullen and Sam Marcuno were over here bashing Wes Welker in 2016. And uh, here in 2022, we are looking so forward to uh, what Wes Welker can do with Tyreek Hill, uh, Jalen Waddle, and everybody else. Uh, check it out from episode 17. Yeah, well, speaking of special teams, uh, former Miami Dolphins special teams extraordinaire slash New England Patriots wide receiver superstar, uh, Wes Welker has been in camp here with the Miami Dolphins as kind of a, I guess, uh, just a, a guest coach for the wide receivers. Um, I'm sure he's got more of an official title than that, but I don't know exactly what it is. And uh, I, I was a little bit surprised at how welcoming uh, the Miami Dolphins fans were, or at least how... Um, less defiant they were to have Wes Welker in the Miami Dolphins camp. So I don't have a problem with him being there, and apparently nobody does. But I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't more of a backlash, though. I figured people would be uh, a little bit more upset that uh, former New England Patriot, which is how he identifies himself, I think, first and foremost, was in camp helping our receivers. Fuck Wes Welker, because that motherfucker came out and was all like, man, it's finally good to be on the other sideline for once exactly. like, because the Dolphins suck some dick and I was on that fucking team. Like, bro, you were an undrafted free agent and the only thing you were known for is like fucking kicking extra points and returning a punt for a touchdown. Did he start, by the way, like that white receiver that's the gritty working man's like quick coach's son type guy? Like he started all those random like algorithms for white receivers. I don't Did know. If, have, like, I don't know if he was the the very first one. I, I think there was a guy on the Ed Indianapolis. McCaffrey, maybe. Ed McCaffrey. Although Ed McCaffrey was kind of a freak, man. You see the size of that guy. That guy was mm -hmm. like just lean and mean. He you His couldn't kids really... are fucking nuts, by the way. It's like they were bathed in steroid juice when they were born instead of placenta. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know if he he really fits that mold of of gritty, you know, uh, all heart gritty type player. There's a guy, and I can't think of his name right now, and maybe Brandon Stokely, but I don't know if Stokely came before or after Wes Welker, but there's a guy that I'm thinking of that played for the Colts who I think was kind of the, the first one Gonzalez? that I remember. I don't remember. It was a guy that was there and everyone was just kind of like, you know, every time you had a white receiver, that's who they compared him to. Wes mm -hmm. Welker is definitely the new. Ricky Prohl was like that. Ricky, it might have been Ricky Prohl. Yeah, that, I think he might be right. The 2003 Super Bowl. The only reason I know that is because I live in fucking Charlotte and he's a wide receivers coach. But. Yeah, and Ricky was around for a while prior to that, to that yep. season too. So that must have been it. But Wes Welker is definitely the new... Uh, like the next Smart, generation of that. Yeah. Like just like watch his tape all the time. Like I remember him on the kickoff return one time, he put his foot out of bounds yeah. and caught the ball and that was a penalty. And oh my God, like Chris Collingsworth or fucking Dan Deerdorf, whoever was calling the game was Wes Welker is so smart to know the rules of the game and be able to do that. Like that's why you have him on your team. What a gritty hard worker. And I'm just like, that is literally every white receiver of all time. And even to the point where Aaron Rodgers has come out and been like the reason why Jordy Nelson is so successful is because like DBs and defensive coaches are like white receiver. I guess we can play off press on this guy. Like no big deal. He's not going to, Oh shit. He's gone. Touchdown. 
because like, oh, white receiver, he's just a slow, gritty, fast guy. And then all of a sudden he runs a 4-4 and he's beating everybody deep for a touchdown. But yeah, Wes Walker, man, fuck him. He totally left. Like that was, I think, the last year that the NFL, before the NFL got rid of the poison pill and the contracts. Yeah. Didn't New England sign? We franchise tagged him. Then they signed him to this absurd contract where, like, he had this huge balloon of, like, $10 million if he played more than four games in the state of Florida in a season. And that, like, totally – we couldn't match that at all because we would have just been bankrupt. And let's be completely honest. Wes Welker would not have been as good. He would have been Devon Best. Like, he wouldn't have been as good as he was if he didn't play with Tom Brady in, in that system. If he played with Henny and Pennington his entire career, like fucking nothing would have came from him. He would have been Devon Besson out of the league. Brian Hartline cut from the Browns of all teams, his hometown team. I mean, like, and I love the guy Hartline, but that's what Wes Walker would have been. He went to the perfect spot and kudos to them for signing him to that poison pill. But when he got that opportunity from us because we picked his pleb ass off this Chargers practice squad and he comes shooting bullets over at the Miami Dolphins, like, Fuck you, bro. Like, I know we're not the same coaching staff in front office as then, but we're the same fans. And, like, I mean, we can get training from different receivers than him. Like, he, Devontae Parker probably thought he was a guy selling icicle pops. Like, he's so huge compared to him. Why would you be taking advice? So, fuck Wes Walker. I don't know if he'd be taking, you know, I don't know what he can tell Devontae Parker. I'm sure he can, he can learn from Wes Welker, but I mean, I would think he's more or less talking to Jarvis Landry, talking to Jakeem Grant and people like that. But is is it possible that we are more forgiving of Wes Welker, A, because he did, you know, have some memorable plays with us as the Miami Dolphins, and B, he never won a ring with the New England Patriots, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I don't part, think he has one, period. Yeah, like so he... part, of, part of it, I think, is the fact that, yes, he, he left, but he never really got the full <laughs> benefit of, of being on those Patriots teams that won a Super Bowl. So I think maybe we're a little more forgiving because of that. And what you said is very true. When he left, he wasn't exactly, um, you know, making sure the bridge wasn't burning behind him. He, he, he very publicly made comments about the Miami Dolphins team, about his former teammates and about the organization in general. And uh, I, I'm really surprised that we were so forgiving about that considering, you know, <laughs> I still hold grudges against Mark Royals for, for shanking a punt in one game uh, to end a season <laughs> that would have end, had us, you know, losing in the playoffs anyways. So I'm just really surprised um, probably pleasantly that, that people are so, uh, welcoming to Wes Welker, although you you say differently, you think Wes Welker shouldn't be there. I'm still salty about it for sure. Like, like you said, we didn't do anything wrong. Like they, we put a franchise tag on this guy that came from nothing, and we gave him this opportunity. And yeah, he took it by the horns and ran with it. So give him props. But like, you're welcome. I, I'm not asking for a hometown discount or anything like that. It's not like we didn't try and just let him go to free agency. We franchise tacked him and they put a poison pill in that contract that we just absolutely couldn't make. Uh, we couldn't match that. And especially considering where we were going, it's not like we had a number one receiver in this great quarterback where Wes Welker would have been a perfect fit there. He would have just been a forced square peg into a round hole number one receiver when he shouldn't have been. And he wouldn't have been successful. We've been paying him all kinds of money. So why are you mad at the Dolphins for that? Why are you salty and talking shit? That's my thing. It's like it wasn't – it was like so unprovoked and there's still Zach Thomas on the team. There's still Jason Taylor on the team. These guys that he supposedly respected and um, us fans. And you're going to a division rival. Maybe he's trying to 
talk up the division and try to get things started like a Rex Ryan type, but he never seemed like that and, and it hasn't since. So that's my thing is that he never really was one of those jabber mouths like a T.O. or a Steve Smith his whole career. But that one time where he's like, finally, I'm on the other side of the sideline. Fuck that team over there. Like, whoa, bro. Like, you're just throwing so much shade on us. And it's un- unbelievable. I-, I hate him for it. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Lots of good stuff from Chris Colin, Sam Marku back in the day. See, we were cool and funny and hip and irreverent even back in 2016. Yes, the sound quality wasn't as good. Uh, perhaps the structure of the show wasn't quite there, but you could see it. It's what you call potential, ladies and gentlemen. The early episodes, the founding of the town of Perfectville, Sam Marcou, Chris Cullen. We've been doing this shit a long time, ladies and gentlemen. And we were funny from episode one. And here we are, what, episode 230 or something like that. Still funny, still great, still amazing. The town of Perfectville is strong. There's money in the coffers. The mayor is good. The treasurer is good. City council is alive and well. Everybody's happy. The sun is shining. And we're going to do this again. I'm going to go through and get some more clips maybe for the next 20 episodes. And we're just going to have ourselves a little best of series from time to time. Just dropping these nuggets, reminding you that we were the cool kids even before it was cool. But until then, with nothing else left to say, the only thing to say on behalf of Chris Cullen, myself, and the entire Believe Network, goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.